0: welcome to episode 113 of the jackson hole connection and this episode's sponsor is pru real estate should you have any questions about real estate and jackson hole give dan vazosky or greg pru a call or visit pru.com that's p-r-u-g-h.com to search current listings hello from jackson hole i'm stephan abrams your host today each week i sit with someone connected to jackson hole ready to share their fascinating story about daily life i feel we can all learn so much from each other and having conversation and learning other people's perspectives is the way we will get it done today's guest is a local watercolor artist fred Kingwell. one of fred's careers which was working with the united states forest service allowed him to live in his number one choice of communities The reason I say one of Fred's careers is because he has always been an artist, and he's always been an artist of watercolors. While Fred has lived, worked, and raised a family here in Jackson Hole, he's always found time to contribute to this community. Today, Fred will share with us his perspective on being not just an artist, but how each of us has an opportunity to be a person of impact in our community, and in the lives of people we connect with fred thank you for joining me here at the jackson hole connection wonderful to see you and meet you uh this beautiful (laughs) well thank uh, you fall morning yes it's a a good morning oh it's beautiful i
1: appreciate the opportunity to to talk with you a little bit we'll see what happens stefan
0: all right sounds like a fair deal (laughs) (laughs) so fred let's start out with your connection to Jackson Hole. How did you end up Well, here? Jack-
1: Jackson Hole has always been a dream for me. I, I I'm an artist and, and uh, but I also of course have a natural resource background. When I was uh, finishing up graduate school and so on, I said there's three places I want to live in the west. One was number J- was Jackson Hole, absolutely number one. Then I thought about Estes Park and I also thought about Sun Valley. And so when I got out of well, I was in actually school, I checked out those locations and Jackson Hall was always top of my list. But how to get here and how to, how to survive was another game. So I took a job with the Forest Service down in Durango, Colorado. Great place. But I kept watching and hoping someday that I would get to, to Jackson Hall because it offered not only my natural resource background uh, opportunities uh, in a variety of areas, but also it offered the opportunity to be involved with my art, obviously. Mm-hmm. So I was looking to combine combine those, and lo and behold, eventually, they offered the very first public affairs job uh, ever in this particular region, uh, region two, it's called, of the Forest Service, and I applied and I pulled out every stop I could imagine trying to get this job, putting down various references and other things, one of which I was surprised uh, was not, con- he was considered an environmentalist in those days, and uh, this was John Turner, who most people know in the community. Mm-hmm. And I put him down as a reference, because he'd been my roommate in college and graduate school. And it turned out my forest supervisor at that particular time didn't particularly care for these environmentalist types. <laughs> and when I arrived, he said to me, huh? I had to meet somebody and hire somebody that had the guts to put down John Turner as your references. <laughs> so anyways, uh, 1980, I made the trick the trip, trip uh, up from Colorado rest was sort of history uh, coming in and being the public affairs or public information officer here for, ended up being 18 years.
0: Congratulations. Oh, it, was,
1: it was certainly <laughs> to my benefit and to my families.
0: And that's awesome that you have that connection with John Turner, with him having such deep roots here in the community. And he was a previous guest on oh, I'm the sure podcast was. as well. Right. He and his family have a fascinating history here. They, they
1: certainly do, and well-deserved. I mean, John has really worked hard uh, for for the environment and uh, for the people which he's represented, and he's a, he's a, a very, special, very special person, as is the rest of his family, for that matter.
0: So, Fred, tell me, what is the position of public affairs for the United States Forest Service here in the Jackson Hole community? Well, it, it
1: varies a little bit, and as I say... Uh, a lot of things were just being defined. I, I was the very first public affairs person on here. And um, a lot of what, what the public affairs people do, hopefully, at least I felt this, was to connect the public, not only with the Forest Service, but the but the public or the Forest Service with the public. So I was very much involved with public involvement, trying to make sure uh, I had a wonderful sign on my desk that Abraham Lincoln once said that with with public, public sentiment, nothing can... Uh, fail, but without it, nothing can succeed. And I really believe that, and it was part of our efforts to try and make sure that, that the decision makers in the forest service were able to hear from the public who obviously owns the, owns the national forest and has a, a distinctive right to, to speak their, their concerns. And in Jackson, you can count on more than a little bit of uh, controversy. And in the old days when I came and we were still dealing with clear cutting and things of that nature, And things, of course, have changed. But a public affairs person also, besides being basically a PR person, public relations type of person, tries to establish the the Forest Service as as an entity, which has, a, which has a heart and a soul, and people, uh, just like everybody else in our nation, we're mixed of all sorts of, of opinions and ways to manage natural resources, and so we, we really, I had a real desire to try to make sure that the Forest Service wasn't looked at as just a government agency, and <laughs> those guys don't care about us, and all they care about is cutting the trees or whatever, but that we do have a, a real concern for the natural resources and, the, and, the, and how we'd say climate and things of that nature, so. That was part of it, and then of course there was uh, public affairs. People who are also usually involved with environmental education, which is one of my real passions. Trying to help the public to understand why certain things are are done, and consequently for the Forest Service to understand what people think about their natural resource management, and perhaps learn both ways. So environmental ed was always very very important. And later on in my in my stint as a public affairs person, I did an awful lot of facilitating of of uh, very sort of teaching more I would say than, but I like the word facilitating. Uh, total quality management. I was involved in the early stages of bringing total quality management to the Forest Service, which again was one of those things, listening to the listening to the public, listening to your customers, which uh, was a new concept back in the eighties that the government was going to listen to their customers and uh, manage manage lands uh, appropriately uh, with that. And I also did a lot of conflict management and other such things and probably the highlight of my forester's career hard to say it, it's a highlight but i uh, also played smoky the bear over a hundred times yeah. Jum- jumping into the costume this being halloween i thought gee i'd like to have my costume <laughs> around but uh, we went to schools we went to a lot of places to help bring the the understanding of our natural resources and particularly in jackson hole where it's it's such a part of our lives that People really need to understand uh, what, is, what is happening in their world around them. And, and so Smokey was just a very small part of it, but it was, uh, went to a lot of, lot of schools <laughs> and did a lot of parades and other things just to bring the concept that uh, wildfires are, are something to be really looked after. And nowadays, of course, it's, it's uh, very obvious to most people.
0: Did you raise children here in Jackson Hole?
1: Oh yeah, very, very proud of my, I have two kids. My daughter, Amy, uh, was born here in, uh, in Jackson Hole. And uh, she got very much involved with Dancers Workshop. Performed in all sorts of the Nutcracker and other other things uh, for years. Went on to major in, in dance and uh, dance professionally out in the San Francisco area for quite a while. And then recently she's become a Pilates instructor And this is a special, special day. It's uh, my daughter actually arrives coming back home, going to live with her brother, who I'll talk about in a second, over in Victor. So she's moved out of California, where she's been for a lot of years, Mm -hmm. and ever since she graduated from college, and um, she's coming home, uh, partially for all the stuff that goes out in California, and also uh, she's become quite a fisherman. And she says, you know, I I really want to return to Jackson Hole and to the life uh, that People of us here are lucky enough to, to live. Now, my son, Rob, uh, he's the reason probably I really stayed in Jacksonville because he would have probably killed me if I had taken a job in the Forest Service going someplace else <laughs> because he he became, uh, and still is to a certain degree, a, a legend in snowboarding, one of the top snowboarders in the world for a long time, U.S. Open champion, world extreme snowboard champion, snowboard uh, U.S. snowboard team for 14, 15 years. His list is endless. He's really kind of a legend. He still remains very, very active in this community, doing uh, all sorts of stuff for the, the snowboarding community and the skiing community, and very, very proud of what he's done. He's been all all around the world. He's done about 14 Warren Miller films. People are familiar with those. And So he... he uh, He's not a not a kid anymore, but he still continues. He he's I don't know how many times he's won ditch ditch, uh, out at the village and uh, other things. He's just kind of a legend around here, and very very proud of both both the kids. And now Rob has uh, besides continuing to snowboarding, he also has Avalon Seven, which is a, a company which produces uh, face masks primarily, and hats and T-shirts and all that sort of stuff for the uh, athletic uh, outdoor community. And uh, he's been. One of the few people that's actually benefited quite a bit from the, from the, uh, COVID situation from the virus, because uh, he's selling so many face masks, uh, including to the, to the, uh, Jacksonville high school. And I guess the whole school system has purchased a lot of his face fits. He calls them face mask. And awesome.
0: This, so that's of, one sort of, that you sort of have stuff. around your neck. Yeah, I do. Yeah. And uh,
1: that's the nice thing about them is they they hang on your neck mm-hmm. and he also does the neck tube type things like the buffs and so on what you're wearing mm-hmm. right there i don't know if that's one of robs or not but probably probably not but he certainly has had a, a very successful business career now and very busy
0: awesome proud of the kids i'm uh, way to go on on raising those um <laughs> contributory you know children who contribute to back to their communities but i bet you they loved did they know that you were Smokey the Bear when you were oh, in yeah. school? Oh, yeah, they would, That would have been awesome. <laughs> they would know, they would know
1: that, that sort of stuff. And, and uh, you know, as I say, in many ways, Rob was, uh, we lived over very close to Snow King. So he'd come home from high school, do his, do his homework, and hop up on the hill, mm-hmm. and he could actually snowboard right to the house. Nice. Uh, and it was, uh, you know, a real real thrill for, for him to be living in Jackson Hole. And again, because Dancer's Workshop was so important to so many of our kids in the town, Mm -hmm. uh, my daughter is uh, real anxious kind of to return to this this part of the world and do the dancing and so on that she loves to do in some relationship with uh, Dancer's Workshop.
0: That's awesome. And, well, I'm glad that you will have your children back home with you. Yeah, Um, as of tomorrow,
1: i got uh, two of them here. Awesome.
0: (laughs) I mean, I have two small children, seven and almost five, and oh, perfect. I'm sure for you, you're just going to be ex- over the moon to have your kids back That's with nice. you. Yeah, yeah. Rob,
1: Rob's been here all along, and yeah. he lives in Victor, but but Amy will be returning, so we'll have the, the family.
0: Very nice. And so now that you retired from the Forest Service, you found another career and another one of your passions.
1: Well, actually it actually has, has always been uh, part of my, my life. I, I consider art just as a, a part of my life, not necessarily a profession that I chose to go into. as I say, my academic training was in the uh, natural resources and, and in environmental communications, communications journalism, all that that sort of stuff. But uh, art is something that I just kind of seemed like I was almost born with. Uh, my parents were not necessarily uh, artists, but they were very encouraging. And uh, for whatever reason, by the time I was about 13, I said, well, I'm going to master these crazy watercolors and give up on the oils that I was playing with. And that's just a few years later that I'm still working on trying to master those, (laughs) those watercolors. But I painted all the time, have painted all the time, sometimes extensively, like I have done since I have retired about 20 years ago, as I say. And I enjoy teaching. Teaching has been one of my things all along. So it's been fun to be able to, to share my passion for watercolors with a lot of the community. And one of my real joys has been teaching out at Wilson, the third graders. Uh, I don't know, it's been 15, 20 years, probably 15 years, maybe, maybe more, maybe 20 years, that I go in and teach all the third graders at Wilson School uh, how to paint watercolors and do six different classes for each, uh, each of the three classes or two classes out there. And that's just one of my real joys, is to see these young kids uh, picking up the the interest and understanding of how you can paint watercolors, which is, is is wonderful. And I've taught with the Art Association for 40 years in various various capacities.
0: You've taught with the Art Association? Did I hear you say for 40 years? Yeah. Thank you.
1: This was okay. the this was the first summer where I actually didn't conduct uh, a workshop with the with the uh, Art Association here. Uh, usually I do at least two workshops in plein air painting uh, out in the shores of chinny lake or wherever we might be or string lake and uh, this summer because of our our pandemic uh i did not did not teach which was unusual and the other thing that i've of course done and that many people are familiar with is uh i've uh, done so many art fairs uh, literally i did uh, up until this year my record was 77 summer art fairs in a row which wow. is which is two a summer <laughs> and uh it became sort of a, a a feature of where's Fred? <laughs> he should be here, and so we didn't have him this summer. So it kind of broke that mm-hmm. that uh, spree. But but it's uh, been a joy to share my share my art with the community. And there's a lot of lot of folks that I'm thankful to that s- still have paintings of mind.
0: Yes. What do you paint using your watercolors?
1: Well, um, I I tell my students to to paint their lives, what they what they know, what they they know and love or what they would like to know and love and that's pretty broad uh, but here you know my the real truth is we live I live here because of the tetons and the wildlife and the and the general outdoors and that's basically what I paint whether it's a flowers when the when the balsam roots are blooming or whether whether it's a, a ski scene out at the village um, which I you know, really, really enjoy and sharing. And we've had, had some wonderful things. Being an artist is, uh, is a real privilege, and it's it's nice. I mean, it's really fun when people come up to you and say, oh, you know, you did the painting of such and such, or you you uh, were involved with uh, somebody pay- hired you to paint a picture of the Chapel of Transfiguration, which I've painted probably 50 times. And that the uh, church here, the Chapel of St. John's, uh, we've sold out one, full edition of paintings of the chapel, which all goes, all that money goes to the church, which has probably uh, brought in thousands, well, $25,000, $30,000 has been raised through my some of my prints. And the famous print of the Teton Village old clock tower, which, oh, is, that which, yours? which, which is mine. Uh, we sold 950 of those and sold that out. We did another edition of another scene out there, which that sold out. So some people know me for know me for that and uh it's it's really a joy to be able to share share my feelings uh with others and they get something of it i have all sorts of people i just had a person uh, actually on the way in here tell me about uh she's realtor and she hired me to paint a picture of of a place that she just sold and and uh she said when she gave it to the people as a as a memory the the people began to cry Hmm. you know and they'll have that with them so they can remember their home in Jackson Hole and the Tetons and that sort of thing. So it's really nice to be an artist uh, and I'm very thankful for the support I've gotten.
0: I haven't met many artists, but your point of view <laughs> is um, very down to earth and I feel like it's, it's a point of view that I can connect with and, and I appreciate that about uh, you and, and your art. Yeah,
1: well that, that's really the, the function of an, of an artist, at least of a fine artist. Uh, that you are trying to express your feelings to someone else. And if they share that, then that's, that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's, it's very nice to paint and I've done it for a very, very long time. It's just, just part of me, but, uh, uh, when it gets shared with somebody else and it means something to them and they 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 contact you and say oh i've had that picture on my on my in my office back here in ohio for all these years and finally i was able to move out and you get all sorts of things in the same way with the chapel the stories that i have heard from people that talk about the chapel uh are just heartwarming i mean they're, they're just great so it's nice to nice to be an artist and be able to share that and i've uh, as I say, I just consider it part of my life, which also includes all sorts of things, including fishing and, and hunting and, and uh, all sorts of activities that all of us here in Jackson really like the winter mm-hmm. and
0: so on. And with your artwork, do you are you represented in a gallery or just on your own?
1: Well, primarily on my own now. Uh, we, we have it's a very interesting thing these great galleries that we have here very few galleries carry watercolors which is what I do there's some economic reasons for that and uh, I understand that and they certainly understand it that they can sell an oil painting uh, about the same speed but for three or four times more money than a watercolor gets sometimes so that's understandable and I've been in various galleries here and and um, been very thankful for that representation right at right at the moment i am uh, i I'm in that retired mode, i think this summer things slowed down didn't do any art fairs and so on and the sales were 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 slow but you don't measure at least i hope people don't measure uh an artist by the dollars and cents I hope they don't measure people in other areas uh by just how much money they make or whatever they do and and so i I feel fortunate to have have been an artist and i I continue to sell online, and I sell uh, in various various locations. Uh, my prints, particularly, uh, are out there, and and so uh, I'm real real thankful for what what has happened in that area of my life.
0: Could you expand a little <laughs> bit about what you just said? That you hope people don't measure an artist by dollars and cents.
1: Sure. You know, measures of success. Are, this can get very, very heavy. I guess, Stephen, but, but uh, <laughs> oftentimes, you know, people say, "Well, he has this, he has that, he made this much money, and so on," and that's fine, and that that certainly is an indication of success. But I think it's the impact that one makes in their in their lives, and it's how they how they feel about what they're doing. And uh, like we have the essential people that are working today, you know that. Helped helped us all through, or helping us all through this pandemic. They're very successful at what they what they do, and uh, I I honor them for for what they do. And it's it's very hard. And you look in the big business; that's where it gets really really weird. You see all sorts of CEOs who made a lot of money, but they're they're a wreck. You know, they're just they're having all sorts of difficulty in measuring success. Uh, in something that's not always by, and particularly in business, I like to say, what was your social impact? You know, what's, what's the, what's the dollar and sense uh, that you're, that you're using to say, well, we were successful because we made this much money. Well, what was your impact on the people that worked for you? And what was the impact upon society? Those are, those are things that I think are important measures of, of success. Um, uh, it's sort of like fishing, which I do a lot of, you know, uh, Were you successful? How many fish did you catch today? And I go, oh, I had a great time. (laughs) It was beautiful out there. And did we catch a fish? Yeah, maybe we did. Were we successful? Yes, we were very successful. As I say, my son and I were out yesterday. Number-wise, we were successful for a change, but most of the time we go out, yeah, if we catch a fish, and we look at each other and say, this was a great day. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that philosophy kind of comes across when somebody talks about success or not, not success. Uh, and you can be a, you can fail in a particular area and, and uh, still be a very big success. Uh, you, it's just not something easy to measure. And I hate to, I certainly hate to put dollars and cents on it because I have lots of artist friends that make a lot of money. And I have a lot of artist friends who don't make anything, but they're very successful mm-hmm. and they like their lives.
0: That last part that you said, they like their lives. And I feel that at times, with how easy it is to obtain information uh, through all the devices and all the different platforms, are people happy enough with their own lives? If you're happy with your life, then you will be a success. The success is not about <laughs> how somebody else views you. It's it's yeah. how what's that? A, it's an internal
1: measure uh, mm-hmm. of how you how you feel about yourself. And so I say. We're not in a therapy session here, but, yeah. if, but I think it's it's very helpful for people to say, yeah, uh, so what if I'm bagging groceries at the store? I'm a successful bagger of groceries, and mm-hmm. I do this well, and I feel good. And uh, I call it, like the doctors do, cause no harm. Mm-hmm. I, I really like to, to think of it that way. So,
0: and, um, Between the liquor store and Marketplace, um, our one of our core beliefs, our bold belief is to be the epicenter of leadership in any community in which we operate. And it's not about the profits, it's not about the revenues, but it's it's more about developing people into leaders because leaders teach other people how to be great people.
1: Well, I yeah. certainly, agree. I certainly agree with, with that, and that's that's wonderful to hear. Unfortunately, so many of the business schools and other things that are teaching out there, their measure of success is this: is how, how much money did you make and how many people did you employ, or how many people didn't you employ to accomplish these goals? And that's that's fine, but this social element. I, when I was with the Forest Service, we were desperately trying to bring in the social concept. That's why I was mentioning having the public under, get involved in decision making, and and vice versa going out and listening to the public and and that's that's what's in, that's what's important to a, to a society that we have we have that let's we're doing this together type of thing and we'll 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 see
0: you get a lot more accomplished with the group versus uh all yeah. by yourself
1: Oh, no, absolutely mm-hmm. none of none of us is as smart as all of us was another sign that was on my in my desk when i worked at the forest service i like that none, none of us is as smart as all of us and um I won't get into any politics, but that certainly would be a nice sign to see uh, (laughs) uh, in some of our presidential situations. It's it's a good one for you in in your management thing at the -hmm. the liquor store, when you can think to yourself, well, I'm the boss, and I'm smart, boy, I know. I went to school, I learned all this stuff. I've been in this business for 15 years, by God, I know. But if you have an attitude that says, I'm going to involve my employees, and on top of that, I'm also going to look at my customers and say, what do you guys think? Are we doing what we should be doing? And when you get that attitude going, then success uh, becomes a joint situation where you're, you're a team, the liquor store team. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but that, that is, uh, you know, it's, it's really important. And that's changing in our society a lot. And uh, it's exciting to me is getting to be the old timer looking back. But I'm, I'm really seeing more of that. And you really see it in Jackson Hole where, where people uh, come in and, and get, in, get involved and in voicing their concerns. It's been a very interesting community. I don't care what you're looking at from, from housing to South Park or wherever uh, that you look. Uh, there certainly is uh, people willing to speak up. And express their their opinions, and do so in a in a really nice nice way. We don't we don't find the the really tumultuous uh, violence that you see in some some situations. Uh, so, I'm always proud of Jackson Hall. I hope I can keep living around here for a while.
0: I hope you do, too. Yes. yes <laughs> There's indeed. many
1: paintings to be done. That's right. That's for sure. And Nature and always lots, changes. And lots of people to teach. I've taught, I don't know how many people, probably thousands uh, of people have been in my classes taking on watercolors. And I just hope it enhances their lives. I think it does. It certainly has enhanced my life, giving you an opportunity to to really appreciate and see things uh, <laughs> I, I have an exercise where I have people go out and look at the, the tops of trees. And they normally say, well I know how to draw a tree. And they come back in and say, oh, I never saw the way the branches grow on a tree. They grow upward. Mm-hmm. And most people draw their, draw their uh, trees as one a, a middle line down the middle and lines going off the side like Weyheiser's, uh, uh symbol is. But really they grow the other direction, they grow upward. And uh, as a forester, I always find that interesting. And then people start saying, "You ruined my wife. I can't look at trees anymore <laughs> that way." Because because I see, oh my gosh! And then you start really seeing things. Mm-hmm. You start seeing uh, birds in a way that you never looked at a bird before, or an animal, uh, and hopefully you also start seeing people in a different way. That uh, we're all different. And my mother who just passed away at 105 years old. She was she was great. I would be moaning and groaning at times about somebody and some difficulty that they didn't think the same way I did or whatever. And she would say, oh, Fred, isn't it wonderful how different we all are? Mm. <laughs> and I'd go, oh, she got me again. How different we all are. And that's a really ni- nice thing to, to take on, to, to look at things and say, yeah, you got a different opinion, Stefan, than I do. But we can be we can be friends and we can look at things and, and maybe you're right and maybe you're not and maybe I'm right and maybe I'm not and neither one of us could be right for all we know.
0: <laughs> what a beautiful statement to carry with you from your mom. How beautiful it is that we're all so different. Yeah. Yeah. That's important. lovely.
1: Important important stuff. Uh, yeah.
0: We're gonna take a quick break for a word from one of our sponsors, Fred, and then I look forward to continuing this conversation when we get back. Okay. When you are thinking about making a real estate decision, it is important to go with someone you can trust. Recently, I trusted Dan Vazoski at Prue Real Estate to personally handle a real estate transaction. The service and attention I received demonstrated that I was important. Greg Prue started Prue Real Estate in 2002 with you, the customer, in mind. Give Greg or Dan a call at 307-733-9888 or visit pru.com. That's p r u g h.com to connect today. Let them know you heard about them from Stefan, the podcast guy. We were just talking about art and how art can help enhance life. That's what you said. Hopes you hope that art helps enhance life. You've been you've taught thousands of people watercolors and you mentioned about it gets people to look at life, people, nature, just anything differently. And I'd I'd love to hear from you to begin with, why the method of watercolor? Because like you said earlier, most art galleries you walk into and it's gonna be oil-based paints. So why did you put your energy into watercolor and as you've taught so many thousands of people over the years, what have you seen their aha moments, That what they've gained from now being able to paint with watercolors?
1: Yeah, the, the aha moments, of course, vary. Isn't it wonderful how different we all are? <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, I chose watercolors for a couple, couple reasons. One, it was fast. Okay, I had other things to do. I was just talking this morning. I had a, I had a, a Zoom meeting with uh, four of my favorite high school athletic buddies that uh, we haven't seen each other in 60 years, and we met this morning. And uh, we, we, <laughs> we commemorated, and, and I was telling them that when I was 13 years old, the guys came by, and they said, we're gonna go play football. In fact, it was it was raining and muddy, and it's back in Michigan and all that stuff, and we did that quite frequently. And I was painting, at that time I was actually in oil, I, w- I was painting something and I said to them, I gotta finish this and I'll be out in about 45 minutes. And the four or five kids that had come in to have me go out to play ball, they didn't say anything. They accepted me. And I went, oh, this is okay. I can go on. I did what painting I needed to do. And I uh, put down the paintbrushes and went out. Uh, watercolors are done fairly fast. I, I do oftentimes, uh, we have a Teton plein air painters group. And we meet on Tuesday mornings. There's several of us that go out to different locations and I'll do three paintings in a, in a morning. Uh, that's how fast they can, they can be literally. And, um, I just did a video on how to do skies. And I would say if this took you more than two minutes to do this whole sky, you've wasted a minute. Hmm. That's how fast they can be. The other part that was involved very early on was that, uh, the materials used for watercolors, although it's changed a little bit lately, are, are cheaper, less expensive. And when you're a kid, uh, 14, 15, 16 years old, it's nice to be able to just go get a piece of paper and some, some paints and uh, be able to do what you would like, would like to do. That, that was important. But watercolors have the potential to allow you to paint just about any way or anyhow. You can paint it thick, you can paint it thin, it's transparent and it reflects light. And we are creatures of light. If I went over and turned the lights off in this studio, <laughs> we would both feel uncomfortable. And we love light. And watercolors, by their very nature of the, of the medium and so on, uh, allow you to have reflective light, which makes people feel good. They can give you nice light, light uh, colors and a uh, variety of options, a lot of tricks. I teach my classes are called magic of watercolors and I actually bring in magic tricks, corny magic tricks that people go, oh, (laughs) but nevertheless, uh, we try to say it's an illusion because it's really nothing more than colored dirt on a piece of paper. And if you think it's a picture of the Tetons or a picture of your, your famous dog or whatever, then I fooled you just like a magician does. And that's the philosophy that we use and people can learn how to do magic. You, know, but you could you could learn how to cut me in half with a saw. You'd have to hopefully have the right equipment, which goes with the watercolors, the right equipment. You'd have to have somebody teach you how to do it. And that's kind of important, at least if I'm the victim, if you're going to cut me in half. <laughs> 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 and and uh, uh, you, you want to you have the right background, the whole, everything goes together and it's just like, like painting a picture. It's magic. You're creating an illusion of things. And the big thing with that, that I tell all the students besides the, the uh, magic trick, the process, is a little word called practice <laughs> and persistence. Uh, those are vital. And the other thing that goes with, with teaching people is they, they really need to have a, a desire. Uh, I can teach anybody to paint. Uh, it's not a not a problem at all. I'll teach you how to move the brush, and how to make this stroke, and how to do this sort of thing, and so on. But you have to have a a desire to say something, and have a a vision. Uh, I start all my classes off asking the people, if they could paint anything in the world, what would they paint, regardless of their abilities? And most people can come up with, oh, I want to paint my grandmother's uh, rocking chair on the porch in Maine at our old cabin or something. That's a vision, and I say to them, you're going to do that. If you have that desire, occasionally I get a person that says, I don't know, I just want to paint. And you go, well, this person may be at loss. They're going to have a difficult because you have to have that desire. And that is true with almost anything with a business or with anything else that we've talked about that you need that strong desire and the persistence because it just doesn't we don't wake up and and be able to to paint the way you probably would like to. So take some persistence. I'm still persisting. I hope someday to master these crazy things.
0: Will we ever master it? Never. Anything. The real,
1: the real truth is never. That's right. <laughs> you know, we're always growing and, and learning. The, and the next, the next painting always going to be your best. Mm-hmm. That's how we kind of have to look at it as, as artists, and um, you know, and, and be reasonably kind with ourselves because it's a lot. It's a lot easier not to be an artist. Gosh, it's so much easier to, <laughs> to just forget it. I don't worry about that stuff and all the frustration. If I get one in five paintings that I consider good enough to put out for sale or to show somebody I'm lucky. And that ratio, of course, you think to, pay, think to baseball, to Babe roof or whatever, and he hit, what, three, 300 or whatever at the most. And that's really true of most things. You're not always gonna hit the, the home run every, every time. But the idea is to persist. And uh, to, to learn from your mistakes, that's what I was saying, that just because you failed on a painting doesn't mean that you're not successful. Mm-hmm. You may have learned more from that failure <laughs> and will aid to your success in the future than anything. That's so right. it's it's very interesting. Uh,
0: I think there's a, a saying that said that Babe Ruth struck out more than he hit home runs. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. He had uh, one of the top uh, strikeout records in, the, <laughs> in baseball, <laughs> and he never hit over 300, I don't think. mm but uh, you know he, he had his goal, and that was to, was to hit home runs, and he was supported in that effort by his coaches and his teammates and so mm-hmm. on, and that, that's what's needed with, as I say, with, with a team behind you, nothing can fail. Uh, but if they're against you, lots of luck.
0: <laughs> that's right, lots, <laughs> lots of luck on that one. So with your paintings in your career of being an artist, how many of them do you think you've sold?
1: Well, that's an interesting question, and sometimes I see somebody has a list of how many they have sold. Uh, I don't really, I really don't know, and I won't say I don't care because every one of them was important to the person that bought it. Mm-hmm. It was important for me when I when I created it. But I figured one time that there's at least a thousand paintings in Jackson Hole. Okay. Uh, now they may have ended up being taken down to browse and buy or <laughs> gotten rid of or burned for for fire fire starters or whatever. But over the years, the forty years that I've been here. Uh, that's, that's easily how many paintings are in this, this town. Mm-hmm. And there's multiple more of that that I sold uh, because I did the art fairs and, and the tourist season and so on. And, you know, again, that was a joy. It's a, it's a real joy when somebody comes in from North Carolina or whatever and they fall in love with the Tetons and they can take a small painting of the Tetons back to them and remember that vacation out there with the kids to Yellowstone and Grand Teton and so on. And that, that's really been meaningful to me to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's allowed me to live in Jackson Hole.
0: Yeah, it's a very special place to be able to live and raise children, as you know. Oh, yes. As I'm experiencing (laughs) right now. Ask my
1: kids. And and you'll ask your kids and they'll say, gosh, didn't we have a great, great time Mm -hmm. Uh, while we were there and the opportunities were there. I was raised in a city back in in Michigan, Grand Rapids. And uh, I knew what that was, what that type of, of life was like. And I chose to look for a profession where I could work uh, uh, in the outdoors and work with work with people in a, in a sense. Uh, when I was in college, uh, one of my professors uh, in a public relations course that I was taking, he said, information can enhance a person's enjoyment of the situation they're in. Or inha- information will enhance their, their experiences. And I thought that over and I said, yeah, if I provide information on a, on a trail or on a, a particular experience in the outdoors, it's going to enhance them. If they don't have that information, well, they won't have the same quality of, of experience that they could. If they were provided with more information, I started saying, ah, maybe I should get into this this information business. And consequently, I, I did, of course. Uh, it was also part of the philosophy of education to, to provide people with information that would, would, uh, enhance their particular pursuits or their lives. So it it all kinda comes together. The older I get, the more I see that these things uh, were all meant kinda to be for me to to become the artist that I am in this retirement stage and, and be able to teach and do various and sundry things.
0: Well, I would say even what you're producing with your art and the people that you teach that's information. You're teaching them how to provide information in the form of art to somebody that right. enhances their experience. Right.
1: And, of course, the individual. Uh, it, it, it's good to to express yourself, to actually learn another, I call it a language, language arts, but but uh, a whole other way to say things, to how to communicate to somebody. And I have used that Pretty, pretty extensively in some of my professional work, and of course in my in my personal life, uh, that that you can actually allow emotions, which are hard. You know, us guys, Stephen, it's a little hard to to when somebody says, well, if a therapist asks you, well, "How are you feeling today?" <laughs> and you go, "Oh gosh, I've heard that. Oh, I'm feeling fine," and then it's another thing to say with your art, "Here's how I'm feeling," mm-hmm. and yeah. show them the colors, uh, the lines, the textures, the forms that are involved, all which have psychological meaning or emotional meaning. And to have that come across to those, the person in another way, it's like speaking another language to them. Here's another way to understand this rather than here's the English uh, Webster Dictionary response to that, and then there's, here's this emotional art area, which is utilizing in a in a general sense, we don't have to get into this too much. But in the right brain left brain type of idea, for the right brain, is going to be more your emotional art areas. And I've I've had people say to me, "King, you're so darn art left. Uh, excuse me, so darn right brain, <laughs> you can't see the other side." And I suppose that's true sometimes. But it's kind of nice in an organization where you can say to people, I used to tell the people at the Forest Service, uh, and we do a little, quick little test and find out who was who preferred to be right brain and who preferred prefer to be left brain? And I said, okay, we actually have two different people in you. You have a right brain and a left brain. And if you can bring out the right brain side instead of just the left side side, which happens so much in business, where you're all analytical, all numbers, all the rest of it. But if you can get the people to express, and half our organization at the Forest Service, more than half, was right brain preferences. Hmm. And yet how we were operating, was basically in a left analytical way. And I would say, okay, let's put the left brain aside for a little bit. Let's explore, grab a pencil, pen, draw how you feel about such and such. Draw what you what you think this should look like. You'd always say, I can't draw, and I'd go, that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's okay. But it's another way to allow people to express themselves. And particularly for males, it's a great way where we don't have to utilize our voices and we can draw things, and mm-hmm. it's been amazingly successful uh, in some of my group interactions and with the public that we would uh, try to uh, talk in a little different language using the right right side of our brain, or the, maybe the artistic side more.
0: I appreciate what you do for for the community and for the perspective, and how you are pushing people to think uh, think differently and to challenge themselves. Um, it's it's. We need more people like you. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we need more people to listen to people like you.
1: Well, I think there's lots of, lots of folks out there and people really, that's, uh, so many people, when they discover the arts, mm-hmm. and and I I can't tell you how many classes I used to teach. Uh, I used to, actually used to teach every Monday night, almost, in the, for 20, 30 years here. Uh, but I'd have retirees showing up and say, I've always wanted to, this is always my dream, this is what I wanted to do with my life. And I go, well, why did you wait so long? Mm-hmm. Not in a critical way, but it was mostly, gosh, I'm glad you're here now. Yes. Because we're going, we're going to go on and it's going to be important for you. The oldest person I ever had in my, my class was a, a gentleman who had been with, a, with the Park Service. Uh, he had been a superintendent in some of the really big parks, very, very uh, successful in that, in that way. And he was 90, I think he was 94. He came with his daughter to the class, and he was he was very lucid and all that sort of thing. And I asked him, I said, "Why why do you want to learn how to paint it? And he says, because I want to show my grandchildren where I worked on my four or five big national parks that he was involved with. Mm. And he wanted to share something very personal with each of those grandkids. That he, There's a painting of the Grand Canyon. Here's a painting he did of Everglades. Here's a painting. And he wasn't, a, obviously, a great painter, uh, but what he was doing was providing an emotional I mean, can you imagine if you got something like that from your grandfather yeah, or your kids, or, or your kids got something? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't matter how good it was. Mm-hmm. It was what hey, he did this for. He did this for me, and that's how he saw these particular places where he worked, and and so that's that's a really meaningful thing. And I've had lots of lots of people that have uh, started up at any age and found it to be again, it's another enhancement of your life. You may be in going along and. One side, and then suddenly you say, "Oh, I got this other side. I can go into over here and become become an artist." Mm-hmm. And I've worked with the high school kids here. And one time I was doing a, a thing with the advanced students. Uh, trying to think what they're what they're called. The the uh, anyways, the kids that are that are uh, in A D classes, I guess. Uh, and they were standing around. I said, "Okay, kids, I'm going to ask you the question you don't want to hear. What do you want to be when you grow up?" Mm. <laughs> and they all went, "Oh, these are mostly seniors." And uh, I said, no, wait a minute. Before you, before you go on, I want you to, to realize that you are always an artist. And you may be, you may be a liquor store owner, but you can also be an artist. And you may be a truck driver, but you can also be an artist. You may be a, a president of the United States, and you can also be an artist. And someday you won't be those things. You won't Always be the owner of the liquor store. Well, maybe you will, but maybe probably not. <laughs> probably not. And then what are you going to say? Oh, I'm an artist. And you had worked on that all along because it takes persistence and it takes time to develop uh, your skills in order to, to feel more comfortable doing your art. But people oftentimes wait a long time. And I just hope those kids, they're going to go on to be civil engineers and be whatever else. Uh, they're also saying and I'm an artist, and when I get a chance to promote my art or do things, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. We've had several kids, one, one prominent one that I think of here. She went off from, from Jackson. She was a good little artist when she was in high school. She went out, got her doctorate degree, medical doctorate degree, painted all the time, and uh, she's both, And when she's going to retire, and one of my really good friends just retired from a do- being a doctor here, And she's painting full time because she started early and stayed with the idea. I'm an artist. And every class that I start, I say, you are all artists, period. I
0: love it. Well, I feel um, encouraged and inspired to begin finding in what method I am an artist.
1: Well, you are an artist, there's, there's absolutely no question. When you get up and even get dressed, or when you get up and say, what am I gonna do today? You're doing exactly the process, what an artist does. How am I gonna create what I want to see? How am I gonna create what I want to be? That's the that's the deal. There's just no question that everybody's an artist. Some people pick up a paintbrush, that's good. Mm-hmm. Or uh, a friend of mine, I say, had this interview this morning with, with uh, four of my high school buddies, and uh, one of them said, I got to go because I got a drawing class that I'm going to. I said, what? This was our top athlete in our school. And I actually went on to, into the ministry and so on. And he said, yeah, I'm just taking up drawing. I thought it'd be great. He's 77 years old like I am. Oh, that's awesome. And I went, gosh, this, this is wonderful. And why do you, why do you wait? You, know, mm-hmm. you are always an artist and you'll always be an artist. And that's, that's the end. But you, we're going to have some other titles in front of your name.
0: So wrapping this up, because I um, want to be respectful of everybody's time who's listening, but they can reach out to you um, if they want to continue learning more about Fred Kingwill. Um, this has been an absolute honor and delight to sit and, and speak with you, Fred. And and I love your perspective and, <laughs> and, and your teachings. What is the website people can go to to see your artwork?
1: Well, it's pretty easy. It's just Fred King Will, W-I-L-L uh, uh, dot com. We'll get them into the website. Um, that's that's pretty easy.
0: And is there a way that uh, people can connect with you through the website?
1: Well, yeah, they can. They can. I have a I have a email type uh-huh. of thing. They can contact me at. That's also easy. But Fred King Will at Gmail. That's and an easy
0: way. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's real yeah. easy, and they could they can call me up if they want or whatever. Uh, I'd be glad to, to share things, and I do private uh, lessons with quite a number of people here now uh, since I'm not doing the, the group lessons so mm-hmm. much. But uh, in the business of trying to help artists to become the artists they want to be, and that's, that's where it's at, and uh, hopefully helping people to become the people they want to be too.
0: Well, thank you, Fred. I, I appreciate you being that person. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a great having you here today.
1: All right. It's been fun, Stephen.
0: To learn more about Fred and Fred Kingwell watercolors, visit the com episode 113. That's 113. Please get out there and share this episode. If you know of anybody who would be an awesome, phenomenal, interesting guest, send them my way, or it might be you. Connect with me at... Connect at the Jackson Hole Connection.com. Thank you everybody for listening this week. I sure hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.